on social media is people in the groups telling everyone, hey, go to the tackle shop. Get your info, get your gear from there. Stay away from the Walmart, the big box stores, all that stuff. And I absolutely 100% agree. I think that the way of the past where everybody's like, oh, if you go to the tackle shop, you're just going to get ripped off is gone way of the dodo a while ago. Nowadays, you got your local tackle shops that are really trying to help you. And this week, we're going to be talking with Simon from Emerald Coast Bait and Tackle right here in our region of the Panhandle. Uh, I've known Simon for a little while, and uh, I've really grown to trust him and his advice, especially with the shop. And we're going to really dig in on some questions about the industry and how it is from that side. So sit down, relax. It's going to be good. If you're out on the surf, listen to the podcast, enjoy the waves, enjoy the weather, get some knowledge. You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Another week. Feels like it's been forever, hasn't it? Seven whole days since your last uh, little speaking time here. Now I'm back in your ears. It's going to be good. And I know that uh, these are shortly after the holiday season. So welcome back. Hopefully uh, you've been doing some good fishing. And uh, hopefully you caught some good stuff. I know the winter fishing has been a little tough. So anyway, I break into that one. Let's get into the fun stuff. So like I said, we're going to talk with Simon today. And uh, he's going to break down a bunch of good stuff. And uh, we're going to get his stories. So Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me today, man. And I know it's kind of kind of been talking about it for a while. And glad we can finally get together. I mean, we've, we've only mentioned a few times. <laughs> whenever I come into the shop and you're working and I'm working, I'm like, yeah, we'll figure this out, whether you're busy or, or I'm busy. Or, or once a week through Facebook or all the <laughs> other social medias. Yeah, and now it's going to be even better. Uh, for those of you, uh, we are not sponsored when I say this, but now that we have the Oculus, you have one, I have one. You know, now it's just another form of weekly communications. I, you know, we haven't fished yet on it, so, I mean, apparently it's just as good as regular fishing. But... Apparently. Minus the payoff, apparently, of having food. So, what's I can't. The, you you they, might be able to eat something off that thing here soon, based uh, on what it looks like. I'm already dodging battle bots <laughs> and crazy bots out of Star Wars. So, by far, my favorite video of the week. By far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Simon, you came down here. Uh, you were in South Carolina before. Uh, and you've got a pretty good extensive history with fishing. So I'm going to go way back here into your old history in the past here. What got you into fishing? So I, you know, I've, I've been fishing forever, I guess you would say. Um, I grew up in Western North Carolina, was there for my first 21 years, trout fished, fly fished, all kinds of fish, a little bit of largemouth bass, some catfish. Um, and then after 21 years, graduated from college and we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, mm. uh, to, 2009 and i was immersed in saltwater honestly i and as of 2009 I, i'd saltwater fished a couple of times but nothing like i did there and i was lucky enough to <clears throat> work a few other jobs but kind of got pulled into the tackle industry and uh i was in a tackle shop for nine of the 12 years in charleston wow and i uh, learned everything from saltwater fly to inshore to offshore and everywhere in between <laughs> super lucky super lucky there um redfish trout flounder dolphin marlin wahoo everything across the board 
Dang, I didn't realize you had that kind of fishery up there. I, yeah, I mean, Charleston, you can do anything from inshore for fishing six inches of water. The red fishery is totally different yeah. there than it is here um, from fishing low tide flats, six foot tide swing. So you could fish a spot at low tide and there'd be no water in a high tide that's got six feet. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, because we were talking in the shop that that's where I caught my first red drum was in Goose Creek. Uh, on the mm-hmm. backwaters there with a, what was a minnow, I believe. I can't remember what he was using. We were using live bait, and that thing grabbed it and ran, man. Yeah, uh, so where here, there's a lot of shrimp that's sold. Their minnows kind of are more steady than shrimp, where okay. it's almost the opposite here. Ah, that explains a lot to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was always like, I, mean, I used these as a kid. I wonder if it's just not a thing anymore. Uh, we don't don't have that here. I got you now. I, it, it's it's crazy. And finger mullet, I hadn't threw a cast net around a finger mullet here yet. Um, that was normal up there to go catch finger mullet. If we were going flounder fishing, we were trying to catch finger mullet. Or here, a, a lot of people seem to target flounder more with artificials versus the the live bait. Okay, I've heard finger mullet is the uh, the the bait to use. It's their their candy or whatever people like to call it. I I've, I've fished everything from a mud minnow to a finger mullet. To, we've even fished baby ladyfish um, for for flounder back home in Charleston too. Dang! Wow. All right. Well, since we're talking about Charleston, how is the fishing really different between Charleston and here? I you know it's it's just crazy because it's totally different structure. It was predictable for me after being there for twelve years. Um was only in the tackle shop for nine, but I fished from the day that we got there. <clears throat> so it was, I think there's more public spots here, as in the pier fishery. The pier fishery was horrible in Charleston. The guys could go all summer and catch one kingfish. But here, or I say king mackerel, um, here they catch king mackerel daily during the summer. Um, but the inshore side of it, a lot of it was by boat, not that much walk to spots, but I mean, redfish, trout, flounder, sheephead every day event up there okay now now i'm starting to feel really really bad i need to go up there fine (laughs) fine (laughs) i mean i just talked to jeremy not too long ago about that and he was telling me just he's like yeah it's really good fishing up here and i never realized how diverse that the fishing was in charleston i knew it was okay but i never realized out on that side of it it really just explodes well, there was the trout fishery was different up there too. Like more people, I had guys that would focus on catching trout. Here, you've got guys that will go catch them, but there was almost like a season in the spring and the fall when the water temperature started to cut back. <laughs> yeah, and the live bait would leave the creeks, and people would switch over to throwing artificials or grubs. And that, I mean, we wouldn't sell any live bait. People were just buying artificials. Huh. It's definitely different. So here I haven't seen that much of a culture traverse, but I have seen artificials, the bite be a little bit better. But it's December, and we had almost an 80-degree day yesterday. So it's kind of a little bit of a curveball. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we're not having a normal winter from what I've been told. <laughs> I've got a peach tree in the front yard with a 1,000 beaches on it. <laughs> nice. Oh, I need if they make it. Yeah, well, we do have a frost <laughs> coming, so you know you might have to just get them picked, and or else you're gonna you're gonna frozen. Well, they're the, the size of a they're the size of a quarter. Oh yeah, they're dead. <laughs> oh, they're they're so dead. <laughs> no so, peach pie. After moving down here, uh, what has been your favorite style of fishing? 
you know, the surf fishing grew on me because in Charleston there was a surf fishery, but it wasn't great. Here you can go out, you can see fish. The water's so super clear, especially if there's a north wind. Um, the north wind hasn't been the best fishery for me, but it's been some of the coolest seeing where we've seen turtles swim the beach and rays swim the beach and large sharks and um, just fish in general swim the beach. So it's it's been the surf fishing just because it's almost ease of access versus not having to get on a boat or something like that. Right. We have enjoyed some time at the Oakloose Island Fishing Pier too and caught tons of fish out there. But uh, the, the food for the table seems to come from the surf a little bit easier. Okay. Well, speaking of that, I mean, of course I love surf fishing, but I've seen you actually out there with fly rods in the surf. Uh, what's that been like for you? So it's been, it's been kind of slow. Um, honestly, we haven't caught our first fish in the surf yet, but, but there's been opportunities. Um, we, we walk for the redfish. Apparently when the water gets a little bit cooler, the redfish will school up really, really heavy, or, and, and that's what we're looking for. Um, and I have some eight weights that I like to play around with, and caught tons of redfish in Charleston on the fly rod. So just trying to blend that in here. Um, so as the water temperature cools, break out the fly rod, walk the beach, and you're welcome to join me. I've got an extra fly rod for that. I mean, I might have to, considering I don't have <laughs> any clue on how to do it. All I, I, I go back anytime I do, but yeah, I just can't even speak English today. Anytime anybody brings up fly fishing, I instantly think of my family up in Maine. Like my cousin, Lucas, is a ridiculously great angler. Uh, he's always mm-hmm. been the man when it came to fishing up there. I'm like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. I'm not catching crap. <laughs> but between that one and a river runs through it, and all I see are those two things combining on fly fishing, and I'm like, I'm going to stab myself in the eye with a fly. I know it. I'm and it's judging. just, it's totally different when it comes to salt because everybody thinks about that dry fly on top. and Yeah throwing it and watching the fish eat up top and there is some uh surface feeds in saltwater but most of them are subsurface um so where you talk about that trip up north like i went to montana two years ago and it was the most amazing thing and it was true to life i mean you can get away from everything and i think that's kind of what fly fishing does for a lot of people it's an escape yeah um it's not the easiest way to fish but it definitely i think it's more gratifying okay so I'm going to dig back on that one because now you piqued my interest. So I've always thought the fly hits the surface and that's what the fish sees and that's what the fish goes after. So here though, you're saying it goes a little bit, what the lot, the fly sinks a bit and that's the attack. <clears throat> Almost every single fly you're fishing with is subsurface. Okay. Um, sometimes you'll fish what's called a gurgler, which is just a topwater presentation. Um, it's not my favorite way to fish because a fly that's a gurgler typically catches a lot of wind because it's a larger pattern. A lot of times it has foam incorporated, so it'll push more water. But if somebody is learning to fly fish in salt water, I tell them to, it's match the hatch. Um, in freshwater, they say it all the time. The same thing works here. So you would fish minnows, crabs, and shrimp. Okay. Like, like patterns, I guess you would say. So something that looks like a minnow, something that looks like a crab, and something that looks like a shrimp. Interesting. Now I want to see that. All right. Fine. I'll come into the shop this week. <laughs> We've got flies, and if not, if we don't, I've got some that I've tied and can show you too. Well, there's something cool. So I'm going to get to that one here in a couple seconds. Um, but let's mm-hmm. back it in here. What brought you down to Emerald Coast Bait and Tackle? So, you know, it was just time to, kind of a time for change and had the opportunity to come down and join the team at the shop. And and it just played in, and we, we came. Um, we talked about it, and, uh, and it, it just worked for us. Okay. I mean, I love going there. I didn't before, because uh, to me it was always mm-hmm. so far away, but after the last couple times, I think it was 
right before I met you, I went and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then I met you and I was like, all right. And then I've come back numerous times. I'm like, all right, it's the people. I love coming back here. You got a hell of a team. <laughs> the people make it though. And we're lucky in, in the area. We have lots of good tackle shops, lots of good people and yeah. lots of good information to spread around. Yeah, that is one one of the few things that I really love because, uh, you know, not talking about the competitors, but on the same one, you got a great point. You know, Emerald Coast Bait and Tackle right over there in Okaloosa Island, Half Hitch in Navarre, uh, <clears throat> Gulf Breeze Bait and Tackle down there uh, on the Gulf Breeze side down at Pickens. It, those strategically placed are so great for people to come to and be like, hey, what's biting? Well, this has been biting here and here and here. Uh, this seems to be mm-hmm. what they're using. So I, I think it's great that it, it's strategically placed so well like that everything functions and there's good groups at every shop. I mean, it's, and it's cool. And sometimes Amber at half Hitch might have something that we don't. And the other way around, we might have something that Amber doesn't. So yeah. it's just a hop, skip and a jump. And, uh, and we appreciate everybody. Yeah. It's good stuff right there. So talking, so bracking in there. So Emerald bait and tackle has actually been hosting a lot of events lately. Um, and if you're not from this area, you're missing out on something really cool. It's not something I've seen a ton of, but, uh, you guys have been hosting, uh, the last one I saw was, uh, besides Lady Night, Ladies Night, which I was told I wasn't allowed to come to, which I was very, very sad about, but that's fine. I'll come back next time. Um, was a fly Simon tie. Says. Yes, I'm <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> the, um, a fly tying class. You guys have done two of those so far, correct? Yeah, so it's kind of just, it's different. You have to build that person that knows to have it, um, the last one we didn't get a whole lot of receptivity on because I think it was around Christmas. I think that's what yeah. it was. Um, but definitely trying to do one of those every other month or once a month, just kind of depending on when it gets crazy, you can't really do any seminars. Yeah. Everybody's schedule just gets messed up. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll try to line another one up for January, which I guess is like three days away. I mean, I want to <laughs> spoiler alert something. You mentioned one thing to me, and I was like, I want that class. But uh, I'm not going to drop it on the podcast. If you guys want to know, you can message me and we'll see if it comes to life. But these classes that you guys are offering have been really well thought out. I mean, the fly tying class being the biggest one, you know, you were like, hey, look, if you got the gear, come on in. We have some gear. We have the stuff. And yeah, you got to pay for the gear. But the knowledge that you have with all the other people there that are tying them has been huge. Guys, you know, it's been a good escape, but also making functional lures. Well, the... So the ideas kind of came I, when I was in Charleston, we did seminars on a quarterly basis and the tackle shop that I worked at was called Hadrill's Point Tackle. Um, there were two of them in Charleston, one in Mount Pleasant and one in the Charleston proper. Um, but I was lucky enough that's been a tackle shop that's been in Charleston for almost 40 years. Um, and that's where most of my tackle experience came from. Okay. So quarterly mm-hmm. seemed to be a really, a really functional thing if, for that shop. If you pack them in, people just don't, you end up talking about the same thing because how many different ways can you rig a rod to catch a fish or how many different, what's the difference in trout fishing versus red fishing? Um, there is a difference, but is it enough to hold an hour class? Right. That makes sense. And a lot of people are going to want to come back anyway to support the shop and do those ones, but not at the same repetitive <clears throat> cycle over and over. Yeah. If you're just talking about the same stuff over and over again, who knows? That makes sense. So you guys are planning on trying to keep these going for a while, I'm guessing. Yeah, we've, we're trying to piece together some seminars with, unfortunately, with COVID, sometimes that draws away some interest and stuff like that. So just trying to provide a good, safe atmosphere for everybody. Yeah. Hey. I know we've talked about doing them for uh, panhandle surf fishing and working with you guys to get them all together, to get everybody in. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to continue them because I think they're awesome way for people to be able to get education nowadays off of YouTube and in person. Mm-hmm. So... 
speaking of the people, um, tourism is huge in our area. We know that between, you know, Destin all the way to Pensacola. Uh, tourists frequent the shop quite often. Well, how many come in from a big box store and then they've been like, oh, I wish I started here? You know, I hear it occasionally, but not as much as you would think because the only people that are really around us is we've got Walmart right around the corner, probably five miles away. But that Bass Pro Shop in Destin is only 15 miles away, but it's two hours during the summer. Yeah. So not often do we get people during the summer that say, I went to Bass Pro Shop and I didn't have a good experience because they... They they do a good 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 job at that Bass Pro Shop. I mean, they'll be out of some stuff, but so will we at some point in time. Um, but most of these tackle shops locally and, and big box stores, within reason, except for call it Walmart, because they're not going to bring in a tackle specialist. Right. But I I think your local big box stores do a really good job around here. Um, but I, I don't hear it too often from the tourists. I think a lot of people go to Bass Pro Shop for the experience because I don't have a thousand-gallon aquarium with a big Goliath grouper in it. <laughs> Um, it, it is. Really I, I cool. like looking at it. I mean, I went up there a month ago and then saw Mr. Fish. Um, but yeah, I, we don't get too much negative feedback from the from the local big box stores. Okay. So have you talked to Josh and Anna about putting a grouper in the you know like in a, a roundabout aquarium across the roof? I don't really want to dare Josh because he'd probably do it. <laughs> he very well might. Josh is very receptive on those ideas for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they are great. They are fun. Okay, so you don't have a lot of that. Wow, I'm kind of surprised. I I thought it would be completely different. Um, I, I guess it's just. I think for... your 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 tourists here are happy because they're on vacation. So yeah. that's one good thing about working in a vacation town is very rarely do you deal with negative people. Now it is retail, so you'll see somebody unhappy occasionally, um, but it's really difficult to please everybody in that retail world. Yeah. Um, I'll try and do our best, but like I said, the tourists are on vacation; they're happy. Makes sense. So that actually segues pretty good here. So like I opened with, you know, the the idea of the tackle shops people have avoided. Why do people think that the tackle shops don't want to help or are just more expensive? You know, I'm not too sure if that's just a blanket idea. Um, a lot of these companies, and you'll see me comment. I'm sure that people listening to this have heard me comment about yeah. these companies tell you what to charge for something. So whether you buy a Stella or a Vanstall or all the way down to a Daiwa BG or a Shimano Noski or a, a Pen Battle, all of these companies tell you what to charge for these reels. So if you're discounting them and advertising them, well, the companies frown upon that. So within reason on your rods and reels, they should all be the same price. Whether you buy it from me, Bass Pro Shop, you go to Half Edge, you go to Gulf Breeze Bait and Tackle, if you... Drive all the way out to Outcast, um, unless items are like discontinued product or something like that. But I don't know. I guess maybe they think they buy on a smaller, a smaller purchasing power. So I can't say that Walmart won't have some inexpensive stuff. But for the most part, they should be very price comparable. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that you've got oh, what rod was it? I think it was the. As much as I hate to say the word. The uh, the Shakespeare with a clear tip. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember. Ugly stick. Yeah, the ugly stick. I hate that mm -hmm. rod. People criticize. I don't have any ugly sticks in house right now. I don't think. I haven't seen any. I know I you don't. had a small. I know you had the shorters uh, last time I was in. I think you had the mm -hmm. six footers, six or seven footers. And seven. those rods serve a special purpose. I mean, it's literally a rod you can beat the hell out of, mm -hmm. and it functions. And 
now that they've put stainless wrapped guides on them where there's no inserts, you can't break the insert. They've created an indestructible rod, but it doesn't go well for playing with sensitivity. So if you pick up a St. Croix rod or a star rod or a G Loomis rod, your upper end, your bull bay rods, your rods that are over $200, over $300. The sensitivity there versus an ugly stick is just a totally different monster. Yeah. Yeah, I got chastised there. Ostracized, I guess, is the better word after I wrote an article saying I hated the the twelve foot ugly stick compared to just about any other rod I had. But people were if you, if, mistaking me for talking about ugly stickers in general. I'm like the seven foots are great. They're great on the inshore. They have a specific purpose. The surf one I just didn't like. It is the ugly stick is my least favorite rod on the market for they serve a purpose, but they don't serve a purpose for me. So if somebody is drowning bait around a bridge or underneath a dock and they just want something that they can beat to death and not worry about breaking hand to their kids it's a great rod for that but somebody like me that enjoys fishing light artificials an ugly stick doesn't serve a purpose there because um, they're too heavy and they're not sensitive you'll miss the fish um that's just kind of how i feel about them they're great rods for per- everything is purpose driven yeah, and I think I know this question wasn't on our pre pre game, so but you opened the box. I'm just making all this it. stuff up, anyways. It's cool. Right, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Lie to me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love coming into the shop because you have a ton of different rods, um, and that's one of the fun things that I've talked to you about, Josh uh, and Anna. Like, you know, there's a ton of selection of rods, but every selection you all have picked for a very good reason. I mean, you've got the inshore game, you've got the surf game jetties kayakers you've got the whole gambit um when it comes to considering i'm talking surf here uh you recently picked up tfo Uh, i saw some tfos in there um Mm -hmm. and i know i saw some stars but Mm -hmm. out of of all your surf rods you personally mr simon what is your favorite surf rod right now that i personally have that i've been super happy with um, I'm, it's so hard to say because I, I like the 12 foot series. Yeah. Um, but my only 12 foot rod that I currently have is a heavy, heavy, it's made for chunking and hooking whatever. But if I wanted something that was nice and light, the star VPRs have grown on me. It's a pricey rod. Um, I personally own that rod. Um, but through the rods that I felt in the shop, I'm the TFO rods feel great. Um, it's, it's, it's just hard to say. Cause a lot of the times whenever I'm on the beach, it's, I'm casting. It's not something I have to hold on to. So it, once again, I'll say the words purpose driven because yeah. somebody that wants a 12 foot rod doesn't care if it weighs eight pounds if you're casting it and putting in a rod holder. Right. But if you're walking the beach and throwing some plugs or something, well, then it's time to step down. I know I see Salty throwing some stuff on some, uh, the eight and nine foot TFOs with some popping with some poppers. I think he was using the nomads earlier in the summer. Um, I believe so. Yeah. And that TFO rod's perfect for that because that rod's ultra light. So it's hard for me to say a favorite rod because they're going in the rod holder on the beach. So it's not something that I need something I can throw a bunch of weight or a two or three ounce pyramid or Sputnik and just put a pompano rig out there. So I don't have a huge favorite, but if I had to pick a favorite, I'd probably say the Star VPR. Nice. But I think you make a great point there, though, because if I go out to the beach, I've got my dagger. You know, I got a 12-foot dagger, and I've got a 12-foot Akuma Longitude. You know, my Longitude is a friggin', it's a javelin. It's just a mm-hmm. heavy rod. But I know I can load that with a 5- or 6-ounce Sputnik, and I can launch it mm-hmm. out 130, 140 yards. 
I can really get mm-hmm. it out there. And, you know, with my dagger, I can lighten it up a little bit and still get it out just as far, but it all has purpose driven. But if I'm going to throw my spoons or anything like that, I'm probably going to grab my nine foot dagger because, you know, I don't want to be trying to jig in with a 12 foot rod. There's nothing, nothing fun about that. Nah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to hurt about in about three mm-hmm. minutes. So you raise a great point. Purpose driven makes a lot more sense to think about. And <clears> thank you for bringing that up, man. I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't even think to write that down like that. Yeah, I mean, every, every, like I talk to people every day and they're like, well, I need a fishing rod. Well, what, what are you doing? Right. I mean, that, that's, that's so important because one rod for you may not be right for anybody else. Um, it matters what you're doing with that rod because some rods are great for live bait. Some are great for artificials and some you can do a purpose. Um, so yeah, purpose driven. That's a, that's good. Yeah. Oh, another good point too, with like, you know, I wish there was an all-around, all-in-one rod. Everyone could wish for something like that, you know. But you, I can't really take my. Well, I mean, I guess I could. I could take my nine-foot dagger to Bob Sykes Bridge and try to shoot, go for sheepies. But I mean, I'm holding a nine-foot rod there. Like, all right, come on, try to grab this. Whereas my Saint Croix <laughs> would probably be a better suit for me to go after sheep's heads. Like, you know, it's a little bit more sensitive. I can feel that itty bitty tug that they do. Those criminals. If I can ever yes. catch one, jerks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a really good point. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this and you never thought of that one, hey, cool, little little nugget of knowledge there. By the way, hate to intersect this, it has been 25 minutes. Have you checked your bait? If you're out at the beach, I really hope you do a bait check. So, make sure you get up out of the chair. Yep, go on out there. Go check those lines. Hopefully you don't have a little kitty on there hanging out because it seems that the cats are out in, in force. Uh, you know, Get them set up. Get back out there. Go after them fish. You're going to do good. So, 25-minute mark. All right, sorry. I would promise myself I would start doing that. <laughs> I mean, hey, but it makes sense. If they're using fish bites or fish gum, you'd have to take, you might have to check one and not the other or, or likewise. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, that, that's an episode coming up not too long. Uh, both the bait manufacturers, I think I'm going to get a chance to talk to them both and get some really good stuff out there about that. But man, that time thing, that's an important one that a lot of, uh, is an interesting conversation for another day, that's for sure. Um, while we're still talking about in the shop here, the lure selection that you have for everything, I think, gets, I don't want to say convoluted. I mean, because every lure has a different purpose. You know, you can go with your gulps or, you know, any of those pieces that do their piece uh, underwater. You know, you can go in after trout, and then you've got uh, fish bites, boxers, and stuff like that. I think, my, I guess my question would be, how specific do you think people need to be when they're talking about, hey, look, I really need a lure, but I need it to cover such a wide variety. Do you feel like the lure industry is kind of like, well, keep this in a little bit more of a narrow pattern for catching fish? You know, I can't, I guess it's kind of that one person comes in and says, sell me one bait that'll catch everything. Um, mm-hmm. Or one, if you had to pick one bait, what would it be? And I fall back to being friends with the guys at Z-Man. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Z-Man, yeah, but they yeah. are made in South Carolina, right outside Charleston. I did not know that um, part. I knew the company was the, up there. Huh. Yeah, they're 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 in Ladson, which is the nearest town to. It would be the equivalent of probably Crestview to Destin. Okay. Um, so I've talked to them and big fan of their baits. Just a super simple bait, um, but they have out of their top ten colors or top ten baits. Three of those top ten baits are pearl. Um, Pearl's just super, super, it, it's just a great, great color. I don't know if it covers just the spectrum of, of light refraction or 
it just is dark underneath the water. So it just imitates everything. But um, I, I usually go with a three inch swimming bait or like a minnow Z um, just because it imitates a lot of different size baits. Um, if somebody's picking one bait, that's what I'm doing. But I, if I take a tackle box to the beach, man, I'm, I'm the guy that weights down that pier cart and almost pops the tires because it's got so much stuff on it. <laughs> Girl, same. <laughs> totally get that, unfortunately. That's why I'm at four wheels now. Give myself a little bit more. Mm. So Z-Man, huh? And Pearl. Not wow. Super big fan of Pearl Z-Man. All right. I'll pick some up. You, you sold me. I'll take those out because I, mean, I can't wait to get inshore here in a little while and I know we got a winter fishery. Supposedly it's going to be winter, you know, once it drops under 80 degrees. But, uh, you know, using some new stuff like that could be good. I've heard of Z-Man uh, mostly from Salt Strong. Uh, I believe that's mm -hmm. where I really learned a, a little bit more about them and how. Uh, so they, they created that, that Slam Shady bait for Salt Strong. Did they? Um, and finally released it to the general public. That color's fantastic, and we haven't been able to keep it on the shelves. Um, and we still have it on the shelf. We got it back in a couple weeks ago, so. If that's a color you want to try, we have that too. Huh. I mean, I got my Slam Shadies, but dang, I didn't realize that that was a Z-Man in that color, and that makes a lot more sense now to me. Uh, they originally made that color for them. That's <clears throat> wicked smart, as they say up in the north. Wicked smart. I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I know you don't. Down in the old good area, the Carolinas, with your good food and all that, man. I miss Charleston. I really enjoyed living there. Charleston's got some good food, but I've I worked... We're venturing more and more um, since the move almost a year ago towards Destin and in and around. And uh, we had a great meal at Beauchamp's last week. Um, and then we went to Grayton Beach and went to Red Bar. Um, and it was fantastic, too, this past weekend. So Nice. Yeah, we got some good places. It seems that the bigger towns have, you know, like the better stuff. Pensacola or, you know, that wayside or Pens or what? Pensacola Beach. Uh, Destin, Destin definitely has a ton of great things. Hard to, hard to not we find what at, you want there. We ate at Native Cafe in Pensacola when we first moved here. We had breakfast there and it was fantastic. Oh, nice. Can't go wrong. All right. So let's, let's do my favorite, uh, bottom end of the game questions here. Bottom of the ninth. Uh, what do you wish more new anglers would do when they start fishing? Listen. Nice. Okay. Because you can learn so much from it. I, I still feel every time I go fishing, I learn something. Um, be it a different knot or tactics or what this person likes versus this person. I learn something every day at work. Um, just listening to everybody around me. Because I'm new to here. I'm not going to say that I know everything. been super lucky I've gotten to catch fish in other places. Um, but I, my knowledge is still slim here. But every day we learn and we grow. And um, I would say that when it comes to my... Um, actual gear knowledge is, is I'm pretty strong there when it comes to hooks, weights, rods, reels, um, technical questions like that. I mean, you've always had good info. If it wasn't you, it, it would normally be for me. Like I know who I'd go to next, which is normally Isaiah. Like, all right, mm -hmm. come here. What do we got going on? No, so, Isaiah does a great job. He does. <laughs> he's, he's so much fun. I don't know what it is about him. He's just like, you're a good personality, dude. You're a good guy. He really is. All right. And uh, what what is a tip that you would like to share uh, for someone listening to be successful surf fishing? A tip for successful surf, always take different kinds of baits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one's a killer, man. 
I mean, I literally, when I go, I take shrimp, fish bites, fish gum, and I usually take a rod with a gotcha or a metal jig on it of sorts. And I'll usually take something that'll stay on top that I can walk across the top. So I'll take probably six rods surf fishing, three or four of them being actual surf rods for set rigs and then two for casting whenever something swims by. Oh, man, I didn't realize you were using two rods for uh, for rigs. It's smart. Oh, well, I mean, you catch something for a metal jig, and then I'll keep something opposite on the other side for something up top or a, a gulp, a gulp scrape to have on the beach if you have a big black drum swim by or redfish, stuff like that, or that pearl jerk shad that I was telling you about. Yeah, I'm going to have to have one of those rigged up. Cause now I'm going to have to start bringing, what, the dagger and, well, I need to come in and talk to you about another rod anyway. Cause well, they don't put eight rods on eight rod holders on the pier carts to take two. I mean, but that's true. I mean, not I'm not saying that. I accidentally may have added a couple more rod holders over Christmas, but you know that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, you got to fill them up, man. Oh, but yeah, that's. I've seen a couple of my friends do it, like Mike uh, with Smitty Surfishing. I've seen him bring one out. Justin almost always routinely brings out a second, uh, his lure rod during the warmer mm-hmm. months. He's always got um, one set up on his, uh, oh my gosh, GLF. Uh, he, he's, mm-hmm. he loves that rod. But uh, yeah, two I never really Both thought Both of mine are seven foot six. One's a medium heavy and one's a medium fast. So I can throw like a Nomad chug norris with that seven foot six medium heavy Old chug. um and then i'll use the seven foot six medium fast which just happens to be a st croix triumph um probably my favorite rod for the money um i'll use it for the casting jigs or a gotcha yeah i remember you telling me that you really liked the triumph because you got what a set of them this year and you were impressed with this year's setup if I'm not or this change or what they did something to so, it. So well they so they went from the regular triumph and they did a triumph inshore. And the triumph inshore is actually for tech geeks on rods is the old mojo inshore. Um yeah. which the new mojo inshore I haven't got great receptivity on. Um I don't know if people just don't like it as much as the old one. But the triumph inshore is the old mojo inshore. Hmm. Okay, maybe I have to do get a triumph because I, I love my mojo, so I, can't go wrong there but i remember you specifically mentioning the triumph to me when we were talking last time uh, about other rods so yeah all right well hey coming up on 35 minutes thank you so much simon i really i do appreciate it and you know and uh, all the knowledge you dropped especially with the tackle shops but also the fishing pieces you you've done a lot of great things here and i'm i feel fortunate that i know you so i have a, I have a small advantage there but uh thank you really for taking the time tonight man i do appreciate it mm-hmm. Man, thanks so much for having me, and I'm sure that we'll chat soon. I hope so. Yeah, it'd yeah. be weird if I didn't come see you one of these days. Maybe we should go fishing or something. <laughs> oh, no, not that. Anything but that. Okay, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> All right, man, we'll talk soon. All right, thank you, buddy. Yeah, man. So thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope this episode was useful for you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I've said it before on pretty much every social media post. Uh, um, I'm that weird guy in Walmart. I will say, like, hey, you know, you could probably get this already spooled up down at the tackle shop. Uh, I'm a big proponent of going to the tackle shop. I understand the big box stores, um, and I would be a liar if I told you I haven't shopped at Walmart or Amazon for any of my gear. I absolutely have, do, and uh, there will be times I have to continue that. But I also always 
always am a big fan of going to the tackle shops, not only for gear, but for knowledge and uh, keeping the community going. So highly recommend that. So thanks a lot for sticking around. Uh, it's been great having you here. Don't forget, like, subscribe, share this out to everybody. The podcast is on every platform right now that you can find a podcast. Apple, Facebook, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of others. So by all means, share this out. And hopefully if this helped you, hopefully it'll help somebody else. So thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you being here. We will talk to you next week. Go forth, do good things. Thanks for listening to Finding Demo Surfishing. We'll see you all.